Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego, Kyle, and Johan Clausen from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Today is their inaugural podcast. I'm very excited you get a chance to know them. We have a bunch of questions, some of them professional questions, and some of them are personal questions. Personal ones are my favorite. I'll be honest, there's a couple in there I like to throw at them to, to really see who they are. So let's get started. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm great. You're doing real well. Fantastic. All right. So we're just going to jump in and get started so your audience can get to know you. And the first question is, why did you decide to work in financial services? I actually fell into it by accident. I moved to Santa Fe 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Wanted to start over in my career. I had been working in the catering industry mm. in Oregon. And when I moved to Santa Fe, I looked around, thought I would go back to, to college. So I looked for a part-time job and I found a job as an office administrator with a gentleman here in Santa Fe who did sustainable investing. And I started working for him, running his office. Six months into it, I said to him, I really love what you're doing and I'm fascinated by financial services, but mostly about the sustainable investment industry and I'd like to get licensed. And he said, great, I'll pay for it. And the rest is history. He retired in 2007. I bought his half of the practice from him and here I am 20 years later. All right. Yeah. When somebody says I'll pay for it, that's a, that's a good sign. <laughs> it was great. It was great. All right. Yeah. Johan, what about you? Well, I sort of fell into it backwards as well. Um, I came out of an academic background. I was um, a professor of ethics and social philosophy. But when I found that there was um, <laughs> that, that there wasn't a uh, professional job available for mm. a professional ethicist right away, I started looking around and I had taken some classes as a graduate student on the impact of economics and capital structures on social issues and thought, well, that, you know, that would be really interesting. I bet I could get a job doing that. And so I started working for uh, T. Rowe Price, the big mutual fund company in Colorado Springs. They had an inbound call center there. Gotcha. Uh, it didn't, didn't take me very long, though, before I realized that, you know, I had questions about the ethics of the positions in their mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And they really weren't keen on me asking those questions. <laughs> uh, so I started looking around for somebody nearby who did socially responsible investing, found a firm in Colorado Springs and started working for them. So, and that's what, that was in 2001. Yeah. Gotcha. So that was, that was really the catalyst. You, you asking questions about things that mattered to you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Why do we have shares of such and such in this portfolio? Don't we know that they have human rights issues in Honduras or mm -hmm. whatever? And they told me not to ask those questions. <laughs> <laughs> and you said goodbye, which is a, a good Pretty move. Much, yeah. So a little bit, that's a little bit about your guys' history. What do you guys do for your clients? 
Well, when a client comes to us, they, they come to us specifically because they want sustainable and impact investment. And so the first thing we tell them is it's about what's sustainable to you not what's sustainable to us. And so we we go through a rather detailed questionnaire about sustainability with our clients. There's the traditional financial questionnaire as well. And so we, we really try to create portfolios that match each client's sustainability criteria. And and that's that's what we do for, for everyone. Yeah, just, knowing knowing that it, no two clients are going to have quite the same em- set of emphasis uh, that they want to put on their portfolio. You know, some folks are going to want to have more um, more emphasis on the environmental uh, mm-hmm. criteria, and others are going to prefer having more impact on the social justice side of things. And so, being able to tailor those portfolios in a in a really very uh, specific way, designed for each client, um, that's really that, um, a very important part of what we do. Yeah. So that being said, who would be your ideal client with that picture in mind? <laughs> I I love to tell clients that, first of all, we don't have asset minimums. We will work with the person who walks in the door and says, can I open an account and, and just put in a little bit of money, you know, minimum amount monthly? And we say yes, because we, de- we believe that everyone deserves good financial advice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even the small investor wants to invest sustainably. So, so we'll help anyone. We certainly have the multi-million dollar clients as well, and we love those. You know, we, we love to have those walk in the door, but we don't have asset minimums. And so our, we don't have the ideal client. Our ideal client really is the person who wants sustainable investing. Yeah, I think that the person who has the real passion for it, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter particularly to me, at least, where, you know, how much assets they're bringing to us or whether they have uh, a lot of financial knowledge, but it's the passion for doing the right thing with their with their money. The, the other thing I love is educating clients. Yeah. Um, I, I really love to tell a client, you can ask me any questions you want about your investments. Even if you ask me the same question 10 times, I'm happy to explain it over and over again. If, if I need to tell you again and again what a mutual fund is, I will. I want them to really understand what they're doing in their portfolios or what we're doing for them in their portfolios. I, I think education around financial matters is extremely important. Yeah, that's great. And, and you spoke about having clients walk in. Now, everybody would love that, right? Clients just walk in by the droves, dozens just walk in your office and sign up. Uh, But how do you normally acquire your new clients besides those walk-ins? I did actually have a client walk in one day, um, literally about three hours before I left on a vacation trip, um, which doesn't normally happen. And she sat here and opened two accounts with me. But that's not the normal way we get clients. Most people come from referrals from current clients. Mm -hmm. Someone tells us or tells them about who they're working with. And that is the way we get most of our clients. A lot of people simply Google and find us from our website. So they're looking for sustainable investing and they find our website. Most of them are local um, to us, but we actually have clients all over the country. And so they might find our website be interested in what we're doing, really like our story, our website, and we'll call us. So we, we do work with clients 
you know, I, I've had clients in Alaska and Hawaii and all over the country. So they, they might just find our website and, and come to us that way. Nice. I know you're in a beautiful part of the country, but it would be super nice to be able to travel to your clients in Alaska and Hawaii to, to help them out, I'm sure. Um, but I'd love to go visit the client in Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. But thinking locally, really coming back to local, you're in Santa Fe. What do you guys do in the community there? A lot. Um, <laughs> I uh, most recently was on the, uh, I was uh, appointed by the mayor to the Santa Fe Sustainability Commission. Nice. And we just uh, completed the new sustainability plan for the city of Santa Fe. So that commission has come to an end, that portion of the commission. Um, I loved being a part of that process. It was um, very fascinating to to create that and get it approved with the city council. I spent six years on the um, Santa Fe Green Chamber, uh, the inaugural board of that Green Chamber. Yeah, the Green Chamber of Commerce. I'm actually going to pick up that baton sometime soon here, as soon as they can get themselves reorganized a little bit. Yeah, nice. so I'm, I'm happy to pass that on to, to Johan. I, I, I maxed out my time on that. I've, I've been a part of the Human Rights Commission here in, in Santa Fe, or in the state of New Mexico, actually. I spent six years on the charter school board that one of my children went to. Hmm. I, you know, I, I've done a lot of different things in the community. So um, whether it's education or sustainability issues, uh, just I, I try to stay actively involved in the community. Now that I'm done with the the uh, Sustainability Commission, I'm, I'm in search of a new board. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what comes up. All right. All you I listeners, if you, have an, if you have any uh, suggestions for her, I'm sure she'd take your call on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get flooded with calls because people are always looking for financial folks for their board. <laughs> there you go. Johan, what about you? Well, I just moved back to Santa Fe uh, this past fall. So um, I'm still trying to get um, my feet reestablished. Mm-hmm. We'd lived in Colorado for a long time, uh, 15, 20 years. Nice. Uh, and so, but we just moved, uh, moved my family back down to, to New Mexico. So wonderful. Both great places to live. Absolutely. Oh yeah. All right. So either one of you can answer this or both of you, what designations or advanced education do you guys have? Well, I mentioned a little while ago, I have a, I actually have a PhD in ethics and social philosophy. I did my dissertation on uh, moral emotions, things like guilt and shame and regret. It's a mm-hmm. wonderfully uplifting thing to, to of course. work on for six years. <laughs> um, we both have the accredited investment fiduciary designation from uh, FI360 and the Foundation for Fiduciary Studies that we're actually headed out for a conference in a few days here for that to meet with some more people who take uh, the fiduciary obligations uh, very seriously. I also, the third thing on my card is a certified financial planner. I'm a CFP certificate. So Kim also has earned an MBA in sustainable business from Merrill Hurst University. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's, I mean, that's a lot of education you have. And I know a lot of those require continuing education too. So it's not just a, Hey, I've got my degree and now I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You guys are constantly Mm -hmm. learning. So, I mean, I think that's fantastic. That's right. And that's why we're part of why we're going to this conference next week is that, you know, that's the easiest and best way to to get a big slug of those continuing education 
credits that we need for all of our certifications. Yeah. Certification. Absolutely. So I know education is a big piece of what you guys do for your clients. You've already talked about that a little bit. Um, also for yourselves, education has been pretty important, but I want to switch to what your financial philosophy truly is. That's probably the question for the philosopher, isn't it? Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's sort of two parts to our, our financial philosophy. Well, I guess three. Three parts to our financial philosophy. First, we are fiduciary advisors. We take very seriously the fiduciary obligations we have to our clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that you know we spend a lot of time doing deep due diligence. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to help make sure that our clients stay invested according to the plans that we set in place with them. And we you know, try, we do everything we can to minimize the conflicts of interest that, that mm-hmm. are sort of necessary and endemic in our industry. We do everything we can to, to make sure that we put our clients' needs ahead of our own. Mm-hmm. So the second part of it, uh, of our financial philosophy, is that we are SRI advisors, uh, Sustainable Responsible Impact Investing, or ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance Issues Investing. That's all and only what we do. That's, that's the key offering that we have. So what we do want to make sure that we let our clients drive the particular issues that are most important to them. So again, we... We spend a lot of time making sure that we are handling the financial side of, of things for our clients the way that they need to have it handled. But we also make sure that we handle the social, the ethical side of their investment mm-hmm. portfolios the way that they want them handled. The third part of our uh, financial philosophy is that we tend to be strategic asset allocators rather than tactical. So we're not trying to surf the latest wave in the markets. We're not trying to avoid the parts of the market that are going down and find all and only the parts of the market that are going up. Mm -hmm. We want to own a little bit of everything so that we participate from the long-term broad uh, rise of markets. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that means that, you know, from time to time we, we lose uh, some money on one particular sector of the market, we know that we'll make it up on some other. One of our sort of, favorites in the financial services uh, blogging and and, uh, podcasting world is Michael Kitsis. And um, he, with some regularity, points out that uh, diversification, true diversification means always having to say that you're sorry. Yeah. (laughs) That if you really are diversified, if your portfolio is really well diversified, there's always something that's down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we trust, we believe in the markets and their ability to, over time, make up for any short-term small losses mm-hmm. with the longer-term larger gains. Yeah, that, that's good news to me right there. I mean, that's <laughs> otherwise it's kind of like gambling and nobody wants that because when somebody's doing that with your money, it's it can be devastating. So I, well, I love and there that are, philosophy. There are some investment advisors who swear up one side and down the other that they know the secret, that they mm-hmm. know how to get in and get out uh, at the right time. I've never really seen a, uh, a track, uh, you know, performance track record that does for a, for a longer period of time that does anything beyond keep up with the kind of strategic um, approach that we mm-hmm. take. Yep, absolutely. Um, some people swear they can do it. I just don't see the evidence. I haven't met them. <laughs> I just haven't <laughs> met them. All right, I'd like to switch gears a little bit. We've talked a little bit about your business. Let's get a little personal. Are you guys ready for that? 
Sure. I'm ready. All right. When you're not working, what do you do for fun? Oh, I love this question. I, um, I, I think if, uh, I, I've had several clients comment on this cause I wrote a blog post about this, but, uh, about three years ago, I started running in my late forties. Mm-hmm. And so I am a avid runner now. And so that is what I do for fun. And some people think, I don't understand that. <laughs> Why is running fun? But for me, it's, it's, it's a meditative thing. And it's, it's actually very relaxing. And it gets me out of my head after a crazy day at work. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And so that is actually what I do for fun. Nice. Yeah. And so I, I'm planning on, in October running my first full marathon. Oh, wow. Yeah. At age 51, I'm going to run my first full marathon. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited. That's what I do for fun. Yep. Johan, what about you? <laughs> um, uh, it's a little more prosaic, I suppose. I, I'm a huge baseball fan, but I also um, make my own beer. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier than... Um, and people think to make a really good beer in this way, you know, I can make whatever kind of beer I feel like I want to have. And uh, then a couple of weeks later, I can, uh, I have the fun of, of going through the process, the chemical, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically a chemistry slash biology project. And then a couple of weeks later, I get to, uh, you know, taste the result. Oh, and it's a very geeky thing too, oh, because totally. he's got an app on his phone. Yeah. So really? he, he watches it brew from the office (laughs) that is fantastic yeah i have this i have this piece of equipment that tracks um the temperature of the Mm -hmm. of the of the beer as it's brewing along and how many bubbles of carbon dioxide have been given off during the during the brewing process and so how close to being finished it is i'm making little hand gestures of the the um what do you call it? <laughs> the, the, the waves of the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very geeky thing for him. He loves it. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I think that's fantastic. Hey, here, yeah. uh, what I'm thinking is we just need to plan this out that uh, Johan, you and I are going to be at the finish line of that marathon with our beer <laughs> and yes. uh, we can cheer her on and uh, celebrate the, the victory that she's going to have running this full marathon. I think that that'd right. be. And then I'm going to need the carbs. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to need a yeah. stout for sure. We're going yeah. to have to get we'll, you a stout. We'll brew up sometime. something nice and heavy and thick. There there you right. go. All right. Yeah. All right. If you had all the money that you ever needed, what would you do? No, uh, Johan's pointing at me. If I had all the money that I ever needed, I, I would probably rescue dogs, which may sound funny, but um, I, I love my dogs and yeah. um, they're all rescues. And I'm always wanting to bring home more dogs. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I would, I'd probably just rescue dogs and save them from whatever poor situation they're from. The last dog I, we, we brought home actually came from Juarez. Mm. And wow. um, yes, it's a very tragic little story for, for this poor little dog. She's actually our office dog now. Teeny tiny little seven pound dog comes to work with me most days and, you know, loves to greet clients when they come in and wants to sit on their lap and (laughs) get a treat from them. And, but you know, she, she was severely neglected and abused and, you know, sad situation down, down there in Mexico. And so I would probably 
rescue dogs and find them new homes. And that's, that's probably what I would spend my days doing. <laughs> nice. Big property, lots of dogs. I love it. Yes, I do. I have, I have five acres. I live on oh, five nice. acres. Yeah. So you've already got the property and so now you just need the I dogs. do. I do. I have <laughs> lots of property and, and that's probably what we would do. Yeah. Kim's Rescue Ranch. That's Kim's right. Rescue Ranch. Oh, you already got the name and everything. <laughs> yeah, right that's on. great. <laughs> All right. Well, we actually call our, our property Little Dog Farms. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love that. All right, Johan, what about you? You got all the money you'll ever need. What are you doing? Um, probably um, sitting under a tree in my backyard with a book and a beer. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, I, I would, um, if I'm not coming to work, you know, this job that I do, the work that I do uh, for Horizons is really kind of satisfying the, the way that the, you know, it's an intellectual challenge to put together the puzzle pieces and to make sure that everything fits just right. Well, that's fun. That's fun for me. But yeah, I mean, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be sitting in the backyard under, uh, you know, in a hammock uh, with a good book. Yeah. Nice. Johan never takes vacation. Nah. He, he, he just doesn't. Yeah. If he stays home, he might be writing, but he never takes <laughs> vacation. It's kind of a point of contention between us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to leave that where it's at and, and move on just slightly. Um, I, I, this is my favorite question. Of all the questions I'm going to ask you today, this is my favorite one. And you have to answer it. Name, name one thing most people don't know about you. Oh, okay. this is great. Yeah, um, probably the, well, most people don't know about me. Uh, the one thing is that um, I've been with my wife uh, for almost 31 years now. Wow. Um, we Congrats. met as, um, thank you. We met as freshmen in college here in Santa Fe in 1988. And we've been together since and married for, well, <laughs> uh, 28 years almost. So is she listening to this podcast right now? <laughs> you better get that uh, right, bud. Exactly. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, most people know that, that I make my own beer and that I spend and that I have this philosophy habit and that I watch a lot of baseball, but most people don't know how long been, my wife and I've been together. That's great. All right. Your turn, Kim. My turn. Okay. So the thing that most people don't know about me is that in high school, I was an exchange student and I was actually the alternate for the Rotary Exchange Program, so I didn't think I was going to get to go. But at the very last minute, the person who was supposed to go had to cancel. And so I spent my junior year in the Philippines. Wow. Yeah, and, and with the Rotary Exchange Program, you stay with three different host families. Huh. Uh, you don't just stay with one. So you get to really experience the culture and different people. And, and and so I spent the whole year in Manila. And I you have to imagine I came from a town of 5,000 people. And so I spent this year in Manila, which is a city of millions of people. And I went to an all-girls Catholic school, which was interesting in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and while they speak English – in Manila. I mean, they, they also speak Tagalog, um, you know, so you, you take classes in that. But the first couple of weeks, I couldn't understand a word they were saying. 
Mm. Their accent was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, what did I get myself into? And I was so homesick, but I stayed. And it was just a mo- the most fascinating experience of my life. And I think it really brought me out of my shell and changed my whole outlook on the world. As a junior, as a 16-year-old, here I am in a foreign country meeting people that I never would have met and traveling and experiencing a completely different culture. And, you know, I, I, I grew up in a very much lower income working class family mm-hmm. and I'm living with people who are extremely wealthy, who had housekeepers and cooks and drivers who took you to school. And it was, it was a culture shock. Mm in a completely different way. But it was a beautiful country. And, uh, you know, I, I got to travel around with the other exchange students and meet people from other cultures who were also there and see some of the most beautiful beaches and crystal blue water that I've ever seen in my entire life. So uh, it, it just really changed me. And I think everyone should travel when they're young. Yeah, that's great. Have you ever been back? I have never been back. Yeah. I would love to go back. Yeah. Can I change my answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I also, this is a, a, a funny coincidence. I also spent my junior year of high school a, abroad as an exchange student. I was in Osaka, Japan. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. So we were both in Asia. We were both in Asia. I didn't, I didn't get to do the beach thing. That There's not a lot of, uh, you know, the, the beaches of Japan is not really a thing. Hmm. But I did get to, to travel around a lot, and it was a total eye-opener for me, too. Hmm. So, yeah. That's great. Kim, I can imagine that while you were there and you you were talking about the hearing them speak, but it was difficult to understand just because the accents were really thick and we kind of get uh, bogged down in our own brain sometimes when we have uh, hurdles to to overcome like that. So I want to know, what is your mantra, motto, or something that you say to yourself to keep you focused and be able to work through situations like that or, or in your current position? I have a very simple mantra that I say to myself, and, and I actually had it on a three by five postcard in my, on the mirror in my bathroom for years until I couldn't read it anymore. And it's, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. Mm. It's powerful. Yeah. And simple, something yeah. that I can remember all the time. Johan, what about you? What do you, what do you say? The philosopher, what does he say to himself? The philosopher. Uh, mine is probably, they're going to steal your towel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let me explain. Give, give the bit. reference to that, yeah. So, yeah, so Epictetus in the first century AD, uh, he was a, a Roman slave uh, who was freed by his master because he gave evidence of being a philosophy genius. He wrote, when you're going to go about any action, remind yourself what the nature of the action is. If you're going to the public baths, picture yourself, picture to yourself the things which usually happen in the baths. Some people splash the water, some push, some use abusive language, and others steal. Thus, you will more safely go about this action if you say to yourself, I will now go to the baths and to keep my own mind in a state conformable with nature. So he's saying, look, if you're going to go to the public baths, somebody's going to steal your towel. But if you can go there knowing that that's likely to happen, you can be prepared for it. It's not going to be a big deal. And you can handle the adversity. And, you know, if they don't steal your towel, well, then 
Bonus. Bonus, yeah. Yeah, then, then you're walking away happier than you went in. That's great. Exactly. All right. That's a lot of deep thinking for this podcast right there. Um, and so with that in mind, who should be listening to these podcasts? I think who should listen to this podcast? Um, anyone who is curious about sustainable investing should listen to these podcasts. Our plan is to really do deeper dives into what sustainable investing is, mm -hmm. what it can be, um, how to be more involved in sustainable investing and what it really means. And so people who are curious, people who are already investing sustainably, people who want to, um, to really get involved and find out more should be listening. Great. All right. Kim, I, I thank you. Johan, I thank you so much for your time. Kim, I know that you have some sponsors for this podcast that you want to give a shout out to. Why don't you do that now? Great. Yes. So we do have three sponsors for this podcast. The first is Calvert. Calvert Research and Management is a global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds, encompassing active and passively managed equity, income, alternative, and multi-asset strategies. With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, the firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. And PAX World Funds. PAX World Funds are advised by Impax Asset Management LLC, formerly PAX World Management LLC, a pioneer in the field of sustainable investing. PAX offers a diversified lineup of mutual funds focused on the risks and opportunities arising from the transition to a more sustainable global economy. Each fund integrates environmental, social, and governance research into the investment process to better manage risk and deliver competitive long-term investment performance. Since 1971, PAX has made it possible for investors to pursue financial returns while having a positive social and environmental impact. And finally, Trillium Asset Management, where we believe that companies that adhere to strong positive ESG policies can increase profitability and develop a competitive edge. We have found that integrating ESG factors into the investment process is the best way to deliver long-term risk-adjusted returns to clients. We want to thank all of our sponsors. Fantastic. And I know this is the inaugural podcast, but I bet this kind of piques some questions in people's minds. How do they reach out to you in your office to, to ask those deep philosophical questions about their investments? Well, they can call us at 505-982-9661, or they can email both of us at info at horizonssfs.com. All right. Thank you guys for your time today. Thank you Thank so you. much. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle and Johan Clausen. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim and Johan come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizons of Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. 
to ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.